0: the night the church died. That's a neat one, isn't it? You say, the church can never die. Oh, yes, it can. The church can die. Don't you think that it can't? Well, Jesus said, well, when He came there, except, you know, He'd come early, except uh, for the elect's sake, no flesh would be spared. There will probably be the professing church everywhere, uh, somewhere across the face of the earth, but, but not everywhere. And uh, I wanted to bring a message that has been on my heart a long time, and I thought maybe Pat, this would be his opportunity to preach tonight is the reason that I did this. I uh, didn't know we were going to get here him this morning, and so I'd saved the time, but I've prepared this message a long, long time ago. As a matter of fact, almost 22 years ago, the day the church died. You know, can you remember when we had a church? Uh, perhaps there's some folks gathered around in dark places and wondering, Remember what it was like? Uh, Who is God anyway? And that question would come up, would it? You know, if you didn't have the church, who would say, who is God? Or who would tell them about God, you see? How? Well, how did the church die? Well, it dried up like a tree in a hot wind. How could such a thing happen? Just didn't get any attention. It just shriveled up and passed away. I doubt if it's going to disappear by outward persecution. That's perhaps where you think, maybe I had a different tangent, but I don't. I doubt if it's really by persecution. But it probably happens from lack of interest, and lack of resources, and lack of time for in so many people's lives. Well, historians noted the truth, and you might write this down, because it's really worthwhile. I believe this to be absolutely factual that you must grow at least by 6% each year in order to maintain a steady number. You must grow at least by 6% to maintain a steady number of attendance. Now, that's interesting too, isn't it? You know how many people we baptize and how many we win? Well, come one of these nights, the third night in November, and you'll find out how many we did. You know, you might uh, hold your breath. Because it's interesting, it's fascinating, see. I think the first signs of the demise of the church, and you remember what funny things they did in the church, you remember that? They used to have pretty girls in a white gown come down the aisle. And mothers were weeping and daddies were smiling. And uh, it was just a wonderful thing. But, you know, now the state does it, and there's a much better way to do it, of course, the Department of Health and uh, Standards is a, is a better institute, by the way, to uh, present marriage probably than others were. I, uh, I think there were some funny things done. You know, they talked about a thing called the immortal soul, too, didn't they, in the church? The immortal soul? What a laugh, man. Why, man, I heard a woman the other day say that the body is expendable. And they were talking about little bodies. They're merely expendable. I heard that by a learned woman, a doctor's degree, which gives you what some doctors might be worth. Huh? Don't be too snowed by doctor's degree. Well, they preached about funeral services too. And you know, we recently had a funeral service. That dear and blessed lady, Larry, <laughs> she's done so much for the church, and in her death. Is doing so much for the church and the school. Just wait till you hear of some of the things. And I, I thought that was kind of neat because the other day they read the scriptures in the funeral. And the state doesn't do that, of course, anymore. There's no necessity of doing such things because bodies are expendable, by the way. You know, if you had to say, when did the church die? I'll tell you, it's the same thing that Guy B. Dunning said. It died in about the late 1930s. What happened then? Well, You can figure it out, but we'll we'll go through it. Is it too extreme to say that that the church died somewhere in 1930? Well, this was the age of of giveaways. Uh, 1930, some interesting things happened, and socialism came into the world. And with socialism, other things went out of the world, like prayer and, and some other things. And you know, without that, the church doesn't do very good without prayer and and without Bible study and if it wasn't looked up to it just kind of the church did just kind of shrivel up and kind of passed away, didn't it? I think I would stick between 1930 and 1960. Guy said this is the beginning of the Laodicean church, which I believe in. I believe they are also not a specific church because that never satisfied me intellectually. But we were talking about a sequence of time also. In so much as Matthew 24 was not fulfilled that day, it's yet to be fulfilled, much of it. And so I'm just saying that we can see in looking ahead that there's more to it. And it has to be not quite obvious or the enemy gets on to it. Well, the enemy isn't studying the Word of God, but I'm afraid a lot of God's people aren't studying it that much. You know, the government took care of it all. We didn't really need the church that time, did it? It says, those who they begot, they forgot. And so the government took over from cradle to grave. And the church had very little to do with anything of any true relevancy. Is it really too extreme? And can the church assembly die? Well, it can. The church died in many nations. Now, if you don't like this, I want you to get the cross and the crown or... Uh, there are many others. Take Haley's Handbook and read the sequence on the church history. If you just do that, that should easily take any one of you no more than 17 minutes. You know, if you go slow. And there you'll see a record of probably 200 million people who perished. Did the church assembly die? Not in toto, not all told. But in whole nations, the church disappeared and it disappeared for hundreds, and in some cases, a thousand years. And I want to read a name. You know, a fellow in 1420 through 98 had jurisdiction over the people of Europe, particularly a place called Spain, who was the Toquamado. Remember me singing, and, and please. All hail to thee, my Toquamato. Holy Inquisitor. Now, I'm sure that would be a great benefit to Jesus. And some of you are saying, what's he talking about, man? Well, maybe you better find out, huh? I, you know I have no imagination whatsoever. You might find out because he burned 10,200 people alive and tortured 97,000 people to death. The church in the 20th century in that country is to this day deader than a door nail. And even the countries which that great nation established, you cannot tack a New Testament Christian church above your funny little adobe church because we tried to do it in Mexico. It is dead there. It is dead in every country that 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 great system went on To push forward, the Dominicans and the Jesuits themselves probably have accounted for the death of 200 million people. And you know what? I don't want to dwell on that. As that's done, I can't do anything about that. I would say this nothing is more vital on the face of the earth than the church, the assembly of God. Your kids can do without school, with all the hubbub we've been hearing about it. You can do without hospitals. But you can't do without the church because it is the church that preaches eternal life and the church alone which preaches Jesus Christ. Absolutely nothing else is capable of doing that. Seems kind of tough. No, I don't really think so because the Holy Spirit is the only significant thing that you can endow your children with. And whatever the times, maybe there's going to be a chicken in every pot for the next hundred years. I don't know, and you know I'm not a prophet. But I tell you what, if your children aren't born again, they might as well be gone and be dead anyway. Isn't that what we really believe? That eternal life is more significant than meat and potatoes and combing their hair and getting them ready for school and chasing them to sporting events and all that other thing. And you and I can just sit here knowing that these are old friends. Some of you folks I have known almost all my adult life in Casper. And I know that I couldn't say this and I wouldn't say it on the Sunday morning bunch. But you're going to hang in there. Whatever God brings to you. You're going to be faithful and you know. But what we need to do is... You need to tell others, too, that the one significant thing the world cannot do without is the church. The church. The church. Often disparaged, often made light up. Now, if you had turned to Zechariah 11, verse 7. And I'm going to read verse 10 and 14 and 17. And here's some interesting things. Maybe you've never heard of these two staffs which God had, which He promised His people Zechariah 11:7 7 says, then I took two staffs and I called one favor and the other union. Have you ever heard of two staffs, favor and union? Hey, now that's cool. Let's define them as the Bible would. Verse 10, then I took my staff call favor, God speaking, and I broke it, revoking the covenant I had made with Israel and all the nations. God said, well, I'm going to break my promise to you. Why? Because you broke your promise to me. Honey, do you love me? Yes, I guess not. Well, that's the way God's people answered, see. God said, I love you enough to give you my boy. Now, that's a big deal to give your boy, isn't it? To give your girl is a big deal. It's a wondrous thing, isn't it, to give your child. And God was plenty ticked off. That's a good way to say it. He broke that staff and took favor away from his people. Why? Because they broke his commandments. And then in verse 14, then I took my second staff, which is called Union. Now Union, I mentioned that funny lady coming down the aisle in a white dress with a thing over, and then the guy lifts it up like this, and he goes, "Oh, the wrong one." Puts it back down. Or whoops! I was must have not been thinking right. Whoops! And uh, that was a funny thing to do, called a wedding, wasn't it? But they made a vow. They had a covenant with each other, didn't they? And it was supposed to be that way, see. And they weren't supposed to break it. And God broke it because it had first been broken. Now that was the attribute, really, of a covenant, anyway, wasn't it? That both kept their part of the bargain. When one breaks it, it's all broken. It's gone, isn't it? It's truly gone. And he said, I made that with Israel and the nations. And then he said, I am going to take my second staff, call union, breaking the brotherhood between Judah and Israel. He says, I'm going to put brother against brother. Didn't Jesus say that that was one of the signs of the last time? When there would be an internecine squabble? A fight between brothers and sisters and mamas and daddies and uncles and nephews and all this kind of thing see there would be a schism in god's family a schism in god's family well there was someone say the day the church died was the day the church died was crystal knock and uh, i have i've been talking to the that that sounds fairly good too what happened on crystal knock the breaking of the glass when all the homes of the jewish people were broken into and they were carried away into slavery in uh, 45, uh, uh, 34, uh, not 30, not 45 because that was the end of it all. That's when Hitler finally uh, made an ashtray of himself and, uh, or was helped out, we're not even sure. And I pray that it happened. I'm not, couldn't be dead sure that it did at all. And so brother against brother as a kind of portent of worse things to come, see? And then verse 17, Woe to the idle shepherd that leadeth the flock. Now, we're getting ready to vote, and uh, we need elders. Church this size needs more elders. You know, one of the weaknesses of the church in Wyoming is a lack of eldership. Now, there are several reasons for that. It doesn't mean just because you've got elders, you've got good elders either. I'm not saying that. never did claim to. But you do need a spiritual guide in the household of the faith. There are formidable things facing the church where you do need a judgment call in spiritual matters as it relegates to the Word of God. We may not always agree, but we have to agree to disagree at any rate. and to do it as gentlemen, and to do it as one, united. See, or he will break our staff, and union is lost. Now, the only way you can take this church is to take it from the inside. From the outside, we will live forever. I'm really convinced of that. From the outside, no one can put us down. From the inside, I could conceive it would be possible. And I speak to old friends, see, we're still here tonight, In spite of our disagreements, I love you all, and I know what you're made of. And there's nothing, I don't think, that would take you folks sitting here and separate you from the love of the Lord Jesus. I just don't believe there is anything in the world that could separate you from the love of God, which is in the Lord Jesus Christ. But from the inside, it might be that poison could taint the house of God. I do know one thing. An idle shepherd is a curse by God and it cursed God's people, didn't it? There are wonderful men and women qualified to do more than they're doing. And I really just challenge everyone to just step into the traces because there are folks here who have more innate knowledge. I told a man he knows more about the scriptures probably than anybody else around. And and I really believe with all of my heart that any one of you would be a blessing in any church. You would be anywhere, Baptist, Lutheran, Methodist, whatever. You would excel there. You would stand out there like a sore thumb. In many ways, you would be a sore thumb, too. (laughs) And so, I think it's time. Now, the time of revolution was worldwide when Jesus instigated it. And they needed a voice, and the voice was Jesus. And times of revolution need a voice. This is a time of revolution, isn't it? Of anarchy. For too long, 78 years, two formidable, great opponents stood there with A-bombs across the border, stood there with expensive armies and poisoned gas, and the most hideous of all inventions of killing one another, and it was actually a far more peaceful time than it is now. You know, I've, I've said things like, Pat can go overseas, but he's got to leave that little girl here. Just kidding, of course. But uh, I don't know how dangerous the rest of the world is compared to this. Oh, it's safer. I'm not saying that we live in any imminent danger at least for a few months. And I think that the point that could be made here is wherever you're in God's grace, you're in God's will, you're safe. Would you buy that? That you are safe. Now Jesus broke the revolution of the cruelty of Rome. I mentioned that one island in the, Med- in the Mediterranean had 5,000 men whose right eye had been removed and filled with hot lead. I'll tell you, that's not excessively cruel, but it's not really nice. <laughs> really, is it? And that cruelty role, women finally became something besides just common property when Jesus began to preach. A lot of the folks are bad-mouthing Jesus because he thought that women were put down, or they thought that Jesus put women, Jesus liberated women, if you'll just read what he had to say. And, Listen to what he had to say. Paul took up that voice, and that voice which turned the world around, and he gave it to the world. And he made a better place of it. I believe that with all of my heart, because Paul preached what Jesus preached. The world was a better place and started a new revolution. Nothing much happened until Augustine in the year 430. He wrote a marvelous book. Augustine was the bishop of Hippo in North Africa. And he wrote The City of God, which had the most profound effect of one book that has ever been written outside the Bible. And it had to do with the secularization of great nations using scriptural precepts, see, and putting a father in charge of everything. See. And that probably led to the death of more people than any other thing. And for 1,000 years, I think, brought on the Dark Ages, see, and gave us the model. I just read about it. That was just the closing few years. Most of the dirty work had already been done. Martin Luther comes along in 1517 and single-handedly was a voice that changed the world. And I swear that's the bravest man who ever lived. You know, we can't agree with everything he said. He said, don't you name a church after me. And of course, we didn't do that either, did we? But he, he, he was a profoundly spiritual man. And he sought the truth and he saw it as best he could. And we have the advantage of his great intellect and his great bravery and have done less with it than he did. The French Revolution came along in 1789 and liberated the mind. Remember the third estate, which was the religiosity, and the fourth estate became the newspaper or truth and being able to publish the truth and liberty. And that brought on the age of reason and Madame Guillotine. That's funny. The age of reasons was really brought about by this. They got rid of the old hierarchy, the old clergy laity system, and they became free to think. The age of reason was born. Now, the age of reason has sure caused a lot of peace in the world, hasn't it? My land! that scares the britches off me when I think of what scientists can do who have no morality. They scare me to death. Little, you know, a big six-foot-nine guy with a machete can be shot down with an Uzi, just like that. You don't have to go through that. Oh, all oh, 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 this! Heaven, there's a jillion ways to dispatch someone with hairy palms. But a guy sitting back there thinking, thinking ways that you can't handle is a worrisome thing. See, and so. That was a marvelous point. Now, at taking it over, there was no great voice. Napoleon almost pulled it off. Napoleon was defeated, finally, at Waterloo. He was defeated by the Russians. I saw a pile of 1,000 of his cannons. And every Russian gloats to it, you know. The mightier conqueror, we conquered. 1,000 cannons, you know, that's a big pile of rusty iron. But, you see, it wasn't a good voice. It wasn't a decent voice. And all he did was defeat himself and ruin his people, see. No voice really captured the world and no great religious principle happened. John Wesley, in the 18th century, saved England from that very same thing. At the very same time, while well, they were having treason and Madame Guillotine over here, and hundreds of thousands of people perished. And the agent of reason and science was born without God. England was spared... And John Wesley, who is far different than the church we see today, but he preached that Jesus was Lord, and he was a man of great piety, and England was spared. He was a voice. It, what has France amounted to since the revolution? Does anyone know? They're nothing. Absolutely nothing. And they will remain absolutely nothing with sophistication, education, education talent, history in their favor, they will always be nothing. Why? They didn't put God first, see, and there was no voice. In 1917 and October 17, hey, that's just the end of October right now, isn't it? And peoples around the world de- celebrated the October Revolution, and there was a voice. Lenin had it for a while, didn't he? And Lenin went on to kill more people, probably, than any other philosophy on the face of the earth. And it rocked the world, but there was no counter voice. America couldn't come up with a great Bible scholar or a great teacher or a great prophet to convert the people. And we need a voice tonight. And I believe with all of my heart woe to the idle shepherds. If you have the ability to be a shepherd and aren't doing it, let's do it. The days of automatic growth of the church are over. Have you discovered that? It's kind of scary, isn't it? We've had it easy heretofore. When I thought about that, I almost threw up. It's, it's easy heretofore? We know it's not easy, is it? But it's fixing to get a little harder. Uh, some people say, we've got lots of preachers. They're soothing, moving, and satisfying. Yet they're like locust preachers. See? They come in swarms and they eat anything on the loose. And uh, you watch a TV set and see if that isn't true. It's like the little darky guy says, he saw a whole field of watermelon. He says, oh, Lord, he says, bless my lips and make them up to it. <laughs> and evangelism is the life of the church. I go back, you must grow by 6% or you perish. And any time that gets out of the church's budget, out of the people's mind, when that gets out of the necessity of being in the church, you can't get tired of talking about evangelizing You can't get tired of talking about missions. You cannot. And I really believe that probably the church today less resembles the church of the New Testament than it has in 2,000 years, 1,800 years. People were one everywhere but in the church in the opening days of Pentecost. Where were they one? Well, in the marketplace, uh, along the road, in Rome, it was in the back door in the homes of wealthy folks as slaves preached of the freedom which was born in Jesus Christ. And the exposure of the human mind to the Word of God caused the greatest revolution of all time. That was a revolution, wasn't it? And we want it and we need it. And maybe there's a voice sitting here. Pat, I always thought you had something in your voice. But whatever you do, don't you get away from preaching the gospel. It's good to feed the hungry. It's good to look after those who need counseling. But ultimately, preach to those who don't know Jesus first. Everything else is twit business in the kingdom of God. That's for you, Pat. And that's the whole sermon. is for you anyway. That's what it was about. You know, where folks were, that's where the gospel was preached. And I tell them that there's an authority in the scriptures. That there's an authority in the church. Now, Americans today are preaching another gospel, and that is that authority lies with the individual. But you and I know that isn't working, is it? Why can't the world see that? You know, I had a course up here. I donated some to the National Guard because that ticks me off. They're so under-budgeted, they can't do anything. And I'm sure if I knew more about what was really going on, uh, hey, I may join the National Guard. I wonder if they would take an old man. Uh, it is time. We need people like that. The old ways, the strong ways, the powerful ways, the old-fashioned ways, we could use a great deal of that. Now, each man does that which is right in his own ways, and what did the Bible say? The end therein is what? Death. It? It's death. I wonder why the world hadn't discovered that. We're just dying right and left, don't seem to get the message. I conclude with this, 1 Corinthians 16, 8 and 9, For a great door and effectual is open unto me, and there are many adversaries. Case A, we could get seriously killed doing this. Now you think about that. It's possible it could happen. Will the church die? Not from the outside. mm Only from the inside. See? We could get seriously killed. And if that's the case, some of you may think, This is deja vu. I've heard this before. Now you listen. Maybe it's time. Talk to me about it. I'm a reasonable person. Maybe we need to have a little food cashed away. Maybe some of you have access to some medicine. Maybe some of you could spare 10 bucks a month and put it in a thing so that when one of us is hurting, we could be helped. Maybe there's a place that you could hide somebody. Maybe there's some way that if you were strong and a number of people, were prompt, the weak could be helped. If you're hungry, you're not going to help your brother and sister and the Christ, the Lord Jesus at all. You think about that. I just throw it out. Safest place to be is where God wants you to be. And I really believe that with all of my heart. Go do what God bid you to do and you will be safe. After his fashion, not after yours, but after his fashion. And the biggest problem in us is us. And among yourselves, he said, grievous wolves should arise. So he said, take a sad song and make it a gladsome song. Take a bad song and make it better. Does that sound like something you've heard? Take a sad song and make it better. But he had it right, didn't he? He had it right. He was talking about a hashish dream. But that's what the church is supposed to do. Take a sad song and make it better. The world's a crummy place. The church has a better pattern and a better walk. Deuteronomy 30 is this. Now see, I've set before you today life and prosperity and death and destruction got a choice for I command you today to love the Lord your God to walk in his ways to keep his commandments his decrees and his laws then you will live and you will increase and the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering into now you got kids you who have children listen to this attend to me verse 19 chapter 30 of Deuteronomy This day I call heaven and earth as witnesses against you that I have set before you life and death and blessings and curses. Now you choose life so that you and your children may live. And that you may love the Lord your God and listen to His voice and hold fast to Him for the Lord is your life and He will give you many years in the land He has sworn to give you. I don't know about you. Just reading that old, you know, I committed that to memory. I can do it in King James. I can't do it in this Hollywood version of the NIV. (laughs) I like the old stilted English. It's easy to memorize. It's got class to it and guts to it, doesn't it? See, I've set before you a choice. And you have life. You want life for your children? Well, don't worry about a financial policy for them, but rather worry that you brought them up in the Lord Jesus Christ so that you and your children may live if you've done that you've made the right choice reiterate recapitulation is the heart of affirmation the church is everything secondly there's only one voice worth hearing and that's the voice of Jesus through his body the church and thirdly God will keep his covenant if you will keep yours with him let's stand and sing our hymn of invitation did anyone have a song tonight? Number three hundred and fifty. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, and that's that's what we have in the trust in Jesus. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His word upon his promise, just to know, thus saith the law, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I prove We depart tonight. Does anyone have anything on their mind to witness, Elsie? I'd just like to say I've been concerned about the religion page of the paper. I think we should pray about that. It's so much junk. <laughs> yeah. Some good, but so much junk. Um now we can do more about that, I think. And and let's try. Uh, it's a little harder than the radio. I find it's easier to do business with the radio than the paper. Yeah. Um, but that, that, that is correct, and maybe there's something we can do about it. And thank you for the idea, and, and to watch for it, too. By the way, uh, November 8th, that Monday, that's a week from now, we'll be on the radio again. On This time on KCSP. They gave us two free slots. So, November 8th, you'll be sure and ask a friend to listen, and we'll be on the radio then. Anyone have any other things? Was it not an exquisite day? And you know, I I just thought about it. Uh, I'm just glad that somehow or another my destiny was here. And uh, I don't know what the future is going to bring to us, but I, I receive it with joy. Um, I look forward to the training God has hardened me with, trained me with, and which you have received as well. Uh, I've heard a thousand good scriptures, haven't you? I really have, and and I pray that you have. And just go tell somebody about some of the things that you've heard. I've heard some marvelous voices. We've got geniuses and guitars and violins and and the beautiful voices. The church here has got something to pedal. and uh, Larry was saying this morning, you know we're too hard on ourselves so many times aren't we? We're too hard on ourselves and uh, make much of the church. There may be a day when it won't be this easy to meet in this beautifully well lit room and in this warmth and comfort but what the cob! it may go on like this for a thousand years. I pray that you resolve that you'll not be an idle shepherd in God's flock. Let's bow our heads and, uh, and uh, well, Pat, would you dismiss us in prayer?